This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and checking things out. There was a TV show on the USA Network several years ago, and I loved it. It was called Psych. And the premise was that this young guy, Sean, was a really good detective, but he couldn't get hired as a police officer, so he pretended to be a psychic detective. And the local police would hire him as a consultant on murder cases because, you know, he was able to figure things out. Oh, it must be psychic. Very funny show. Uh, full of 80s nostalgia cameos from, from 80s stars and, and bands and things. Very, very cool. And the next time it hits Netflix, I highly recommend that you watch it. Just binge watch the whole thing. It's good. Anyway, there was one episode where Sean's long-suffering father was trying to teach a lesson to Sean, but in the process, Sean solved the case of the week and started jumping up and down in excitement. And his father said, Sean, don't you dare learn the wrong lesson when I'm trying to teach you the right lesson. (laughs) It's a great line. I'm sure it's one my parents could relate to. However, they might not think it's funny. It might hit a little too close to home for them. Anyway, the point is, after this 2016 presidential election, the Democrats are learning the wrong lessons. And there's the danger that Republicans could also learn the wrong lessons from this election. Don't you dare learn the wrong lessons when the American people are trying to teach you the right lessons. So what are the wrong lessons that the Democrats have learned? One, they learned that it was Comey's fault. Hillary Clinton herself has said that she lost the election primarily because of James Comey's letter, announcing that he was reopening the investigation into her illicit private email server just days before Election Day, and that tipped the scales in favor of Donald Trump. Well, that's the wrong lesson. An article by the New York Times this past week featured interviews with Democrat and independent voters who ultimately cast their ballots for Trump. None of them, none of them said that Comey influenced their decision. Not a single one. Now, interviews with a dozen or so people spread across the country isn't statistically significant, but other polling has backed up this idea that Comey did not swing the race in the final days in Trump's favor. It may have been the final straw for some, but it was not enough to make the overall difference. That's not why Trump won. The other lesson Democrats have learned is that they lost because of fake news on Facebook. Fake news. The made-up stories by clickbait internet trolls are a bane to internet surfers everywhere. But most people don't fall for it. Most people don't believe those stories. This fake news meme has now been turned around. And now every story from big media that turns out to be incorrect or at least misleading is now branded as fake news. The entire Daily Show is fake news. That's how they made their money. That's how Democrats got most of their information throughout much of Barack Obama's tenure. The Onion is fake news. But it's fake news on purpose. And and the mainstream media, when they get it wrong, now they're fake news too. See, if you learn the wrong lesson, 
it will be weaponized and turned around against you. Fake news is now a weapon people can use against the people who coined the term fake news. Don't you dare learn the wrong lesson. It will come back to haunt you. Okay, the other wrong lesson here, it was the Russians. The Russians hacked the DNC, and that caused the Democrats to lose the election. The the idea is that all of the embarrassing information contained in those emails about how the Democrat National Committee was working to support Hillary and to hurt Bernie in the primary turned off Democrat voters come November. And all of those emails about how members of the media were leaking debate questions to Hillary and running their stories by the Hillary campaign before they were published was upsetting to the American public, and therefore the Russians hacked our election. That's the lesson they've learned. The three problems with that lesson, with that wrong lesson. One, polls show that just like the Comey letter didn't sway the undecided voters, these emails and the WikiLeaks documents didn't sway the voters either. Second, WikiLeaks still says they didn't get their emails from the Russians. They've said it repeatedly. Yes, the FBI and CIA and NSA say the Russians hacked the DNC, and they show that one of the ways the Russians got into the emails was from a phishing ploy that fooled Hillary's campaign manager, John Podesta, into giving the Russians his email password. Podesta helped the Russians hack his own email. But they don't prove that that's where WikiLeaks got the emails from. The Russians could have gotten the emails and simply kept them for their own knowledge and use. WikiLeaks claims they were given the same collection of emails from a disgruntled Bernie supporter inside the DNC who handed over the emails on a flash drive in a park in Washington, D.C. Very cloak-and-dagger old-school spy stuff here. Not the high-tech hacking. Now, I don't know which story is true. I don't. But the FBI did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that WikiLeaks got its emails from the Russians. Moreover, the public release this week about the hacks didn't even try to make that claim. They simply said the Russians broke into the DNC's computers in two separate ways. They didn't say what happened to those emails after that. And finally... If those WikiLeaks emails were damaging to the election, then the problem wasn't that the Russians hacked the DNC or that they were full of fake news. It was because the emails were full of real news that demonstrated really bad behavior on the part of the Clinton campaign and the Democrat Party in the first place. The only reason people would be swayed not to vote for Hillary on the basis of those emails is because they revealed the true nature of how her campaign was operating and what that said about how a President Hillary would have operated in the future. The problem wasn't the Russians, it was the Democrats themselves. Look, if you don't want people to be turned off by the corrupt and morally questionable things you're doing, don't do them. It's a pretty simple lesson. It's the right lesson. And the Democrats haven't learned it. They think the problem was they were hacked, not that what they were doing was wrong. Some Democrats are doing a postmortem on the election, and they've, they've focused on demographics. 
Joe Biden mentioned in an interview this past week that he recognized the Democrats were losing the white working class and that would possibly cost them the election. Almost no one inside the Hillary campaign thought that was a possibility. Instead, they focused on trying to replicate the Obama coalition, but failed to turn out black voters in the numbers that Obama did. Hillary also lost a significant number of Catholics, perhaps because her campaign staff was talking badly about Catholics, or perhaps because of the vast amount of money Planned Parenthood put into Hillary's campaign and other Democrat campaigns. But the whole demographics is destiny idea that America will become more blue as Americans become more brown was severely damaged this election. But see, that's actually where I think the problem is. They're flirting around with this idea that they lost the white working class and that's the problem. That's almost the right lesson, but not quite. As you go around trying to build up coalitions, of different groups, you will end up alienating other groups. As you start to see certain demographic collections of people as your friends and supporters, you also start to see other groups as part of your enemy. If the folks who vote for you are part of the solution, the folks who vote against you are part of the problem. It's why Romney's comment about the 47% in 2008 was so damaging to him then and why Hillary's comment about the basket of deplorables was so damaging to her this year. It's the same idea for both of them. And then to make it worse, she didn't stop calling her fellow Americans deplorable or even apologize for calling her fellow Americans deplorable. She just said, well, maybe it's not quite half. Maybe it's not quite half of Trump supporters who are deplorable. Maybe it's a little less than that. She stood by her premise that up to 24% of Americans were irredeemable and awful human beings. And then she lost the election. At the same time, Donald Trump went into areas that usually vote for the other party and made his case and said, what's been going on hasn't been working for you. Why not try something else to make your life better? What have you got to lose? And then he won the election. Hillary's campaign tried to cobble together a coalition of demographic subgroups and socioeconomic classes. Trump said, let's make America great again. Democrats tried to build coalitions. And in the process, they tore America apart. Let me play a snippet of a speech given by Barack Obama. It's a great example of this right lesson that I'm trying to share with you today. I say to them tonight, there is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. The pundits, the pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states, red states for Republicans, blue states for Democrats. But I've got news for them, too. We worship an awesome God in the blue states. And we don't like federal agents poking around in our libraries in the red states. See, that guy gets it. 
But that's not Barack Obama today. That was from his speech in 2004 at the Democrat National Convention. I remember watching that speech and thinking, man, that's a guy who be- could become president. That guy has a bright political future because he gets it. And that speech is what made him a nationally known figure. It propelled him into the presidency just four years later. Unfortunately, the message he gave appears to have just been a speech and not a conviction. He didn't lead a united America. He called Republicans his enemy. He divided us based upon race. His signature bill, Obamacare, wasn't passed by a united America, but by a split party-line vote. He never once demonstrated that he worshipped that awesome God he spoke of. His Democrat Party actually tried to take the words God out of its party platform just four years into his presidency. The members of the convention actually voted to take it out, but the party leaders pretended the vote went the other way. The persistent pursuit of coalition building has been the undoing of the Democrat Party, and they haven't learned that lesson. If you need another example of it, John Kerry's speech this week denouncing Israel will satisfy some members of that Democrat coalition. He tried to say that building homes for Israelis was just as bad as Palestinians committing acts of terror. Building homes, building houses, in his mind, was just as bad as blowing up houses. Just as bad. Think about that for a minute. Well, while some in the Democrat coalition praised Kerry's speech, others backed away. The Jewish vote has been a big part of the Democrat coalition since at least FDR. But supporting the populist idea that Israel is as much to blame as the Palestinians are for problems in the Middle East, as Hamas is for those problems, that's going to drive a wedge between the Jews and the rest of the Democrat party pretty darn quick. This brings me to the lesson the Republicans must learn. They won this election, and they have historic margins in state houses and governorships across the country. They have an opportunity, but an opportunity to do what? Create policies that reward their backers and hurt Democrats? No, that's the wrong lesson. That's how you ensure Democrats win two years from now. Listen to Pastor Andy Stanley. He runs a megachurch in Georgia. He gave a sermon early last year titled, Avoiding Election Infection. Listen to this and learn this lesson. We can disagree on what's best for people, but we cannot and we dare not disagree that what's best for people is what's best. That we can disagree about what's best for people. Name any, you know, any bill, name anything before Congress, name any of the things that we're debating as a nation, and we can debate about which side or which version is best for people. But we cannot debate whether or not what's best for people is what's best. What's best for people is what's best. Don't build a coalition within America. Build America. Unite 
America. Don't do what's best for the poor or for the middle class or for the rich or for whites or for blacks or for Hispanics or for Asians or for men or for women or for Christians or for Jews. Do what's best for America. All of America. Reagan said, a rising tide lifts all ships. Don't worry about floating somebody's boat. Raise the tide. Don't write off people who voted against you. Work just as hard to make their lives better as you do to make the lives of the Koch brothers better. Learn this lesson. Make America great again, not just for some Americans. It has to be for all of America. We've got to stop dividing ourselves. We're supposed to be the United States of America. And ultimately, I think that's the lesson of this election. The Democrat coalition fell apart because coalitions fall apart. We have to be a nation, not a collection of nations. Well, thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first light of